Starman Glorp, our previous emissary, failed his mission to overtake the Earth. Silence, Zyzex! I do not wish to hear of our failures! All my apologies, Glorp Master, but if indeed we are to rule the humans... I feel we must rethink our tactics. Sending one of us at a time appears to have not panned out so far. We must rule the humans! I agree, Master. I agree. Of course, I agree. Your, your, your masterfulness. Let me lick your toes. Oh, it feels so good when you lick my toes. Get right in between them. Ooh, it feels good. Oh, baby. Please don't eviscerate me, Master. That's a, okay. Okay, that's that's all right. You, you you did good. Wait, what are you doing with your voice? You sound almost like a human. I'm Might sorry. We... I was just in the throes of passion. Do not apologize, Master. Might we impersonate the humans? Let us impersonate the humans further. Mm, you know that our engineer Gligzer has been working on this new face shielding technology to protect us from the cold vacuum of space, but perhaps it could be reworked to make us look as the humans look. It's time for us to send down a new emissary. Perhaps more than one this time. What if we were to send like uh, like a whole bunch and, and uh, manipulate the humans through their weak mind receptors. I think it is prudent for us to send our most rich and assholey emissaries down to, <laughs> down to Earth. We shall send Ronald Reagan. Reagan! And Margaret Thatcher. Thatcher! <laughs> I'm they- sure that'll work this time. Capitalism will prevail. It is the humans' major fault that they can't stand the idea of not having money. It is, after all, their god. Of course, money is god. Everyone knows money is god. Everyone knows money is god. Money is god. Money is god. Money is god. God. To the humans. To the humans. Not to us. Not to us. Definitely not. We are... uh, We are communist civilization. We are communists. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, we don't care about money at all, but we'll make we'll sub, we'll make the humans subservient because they care about money. Of course, they can be manipulated through their money. I will wear a big wig and be a very old woman, and, and I will wear also wear a big wig, but also wear a three-piece pinstripe suit like a one of their businessmans. I hope they do not look at us through sunglasses. I can't foresee that ever happening. As long as they do not develop sunglass technology, we should be fine. The humans are so stupid. They are dumb. Ha 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 ha
everybody. Welcome to my boss's John Carpenter. <laughs> <laughs> it's me, Andy. And it's me, Tate. Hey, and we're back, and we uh, are talking tonight about the John Carpenter movie from, what what year is it? Is it 1988. 1988. Yeah. They Live. They Live. Boy, I'm really, really excited to talk about this movie because, like, uh, this one, like, feels like, and maybe it's just because we haven't recorded for a while. Yeah, for but a it long time. Feels like there's so much to talk about with this movie. Uh, this this movie is one of my favorite movies that I've ever sort of hated. <laughs> yeah, you were saying that earlier. I I I really really like this movie, but at the same time, like there's a lot of like really ridiculous stuff, and Rowdy Roddy Piper like kind of bums me out in some ways. Yeah. He well, you know, I gotta say. We watched it together the other night. Yes. And that was the first time that I had seen it. And then I rewatched about half of it today. But I also, like last night, was doing um, some kind of like, I don't know, I like not quite like deep dive research into it, but I was doing more like looking into this movie than I've done with any of the previous ones. Yeah. I think because I find it really fascinating. And when we watched it together, I was totally on board with the whole like yeah Roddy Piper kind of sucks as an actor kind of thing. He's yeah. not he's not he's selling the fight scenes for sure. For sure. Cuz he's good at that cuz he was a wrestler. Yes. Um but yeah, maybe his acting and dramatic stuff isn't so great. But I think I kind of turned around on him a little bit and it's probably just because like I watched a couple of like interviews with him and like a Q&A session with him and I also listened to I don't think I finished it, but I listened to most of the uh the, the the commentary that he and John Carpenter did for this movie. Oh shit! Um, and I gotta tell you, man, he just seems like such a sweetheart, like such a sweet, dopey guy. Oh yeah, he's hell just yeah. a big goofy guy. He just like he's like he's like gentle Ben or something. He's like a big gentle bear. <laughs> and John Carpenter too on the on the commentary, like they both just have this rapport that like both of them just seem. So kind. They're both so complimentary of each other. Yeah. And Roddy Piper in the commentary has a couple of moments, and especially in one of the like really dramatic scenes that we'll get to where he's kind of telling Keith David about his past, you know, and his history. Yeah. On the commentary, Roddy Piper is like, oh, man, I, f- I could have done better in this scene. Like, I could have done a lot better. And that- Carpenter is all like, no, you were great. You know, like, this, if it's it's real. What more do you want than real? You're great, you know? Yeah. And Roddy Piper just as quickly is like, oh, stop it. You, I had a good director, you know? And Carpenter's like, no, stop it, you know? <laughs> I I love that the, they have, like, this, like, bro aspect they for, so like, do. the movie. Yeah. Uh, honestly, like, I really, really, really like this movie. Yeah, me too. But there's just, like, a handful. No, not a handful of times. There's like 10 times where we're like Rowdy Roddy Piper is just like behaving in a way that it's like, oh, that's that's not how anyone would be behaving during these circumstances. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And I mean, also the fact that he is like uh, a lot of times sharing scenes with Keith David who is so good. Yeah. Like Keith David's acting is amazing. Yeah. And like, yeah, I think we talked about it too when we were watching it, but the, the scene where, uh, the, 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 like the homeless camp is getting, uh, torn down by the police. Yeah. There are a lot of shots of, yeah. Roddy Piper just kind of looking on with a vacant stare. 
yeah keith david it'll cut to keith david and he's also just looking he's standing by but he's doing so much like with his eyes and giving you so much emotion and then it cuts back to rowdy piper and he's just like and he and he and rowdy (laughs) rowdy piper is literally just like walking through a a, like a A war zone zone Yeah, yeah yeah over and over and over yeah, and he's also like seeing horrible things happen to people and like not interceding at all. Yeah, it's uh it's it's a lot of fun. I really really like this movie uh yeah. for how much I hated it. <laughs> <laughs> um, um, okay, should we should we jump right into the sort of scene by scene kind of breakdown? Yeah, let's uh let's let's get into this. Okay. Um, um the first thing that happens of course and I I've mentioned this before, but that absolutely terrifying studio canal logo yes. happens to get at the beginning of this movie which is definitely a later thing i don't even think studio canal existed when these movies came out so it was definitely something that was like these movies are picked up later by studio canal for distribution probably i think but yeah that, the, that, uh, that seems right the logo the soundscape of that logo is just horrifying man it scares me to no end it like gives me stress nightmares yeah for sure like it's it's like it's like a whole thing yeah um uh, we see the credit that it was written by Frank Armitage, which mm-hmm. is, of course, John Carpenter. That's yes. a pseudonym for John Carpenter. That's uh, one, of the, one of his pen names. Yeah, he does have a few, doesn't he? Because it wasn't wasn't Prince of he, Darkness written by like Richard Quartermass or something? But it yeah, was John Carpenter. yeah, it was uh, like he he's he's done a couple of uh, pen names at this point, which is yeah, screenplay by John Carpenter as Freight Frank Armitage. Yeah, based oh, Armitage, on eight, excuse me. I, I'm I'm reading this <laughs> off of my phone right now. Oh well, <laughs> based on Eight O'clock in the Morning by Ray Nelson. Yes, which I read last night. That was part of <laughs> this was I was like on a weird obsessive thing last night. Yeah, I read that. I found that short story online and I read it. Was it good? Was it similar? Yeah, it's definitely sim. It's only six pages long, so <laughs> it's very short. They they made this movie out of... John oh, Carpenter wow. made this movie out that of is six pages. very impressive. But everything that happens in the short story mostly is in the movie, except that in the short story, the, the short story begins with um, the main guy. Uh, in the short story, his name is George Nada. In the movie, they name him John Nada. Although I didn't realize this, but I was reading about it. I was like, nobody ever says his name in the movie. That's true. And uh, especially, uh, I'm on the Wikipedia right now. Yeah. And uh, Rowdy Roddy Piper is credited as just being named Nada. Nada. Which means nothing. Right, 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 right. So, like, they never say his first name. And right. I don't think they ever say his last name. No, either. they definitely like, don't. He's, he's yeah. like, totally, like, kind he's of like, like a blank a, slate, basically. Yeah, he, he's like a fight club, like, free-floating, like, yeah. radical. Like, yeah. Like, whoever the hell he is. And I think the intention there is that he's just meant to be, like, an everyman. Like, a like a, a nothing guy, you know? Yeah, no, He's obviously. not anything special, you know? But anyway... A big, uh, burly, uh, mulleted wrestler oh, a, a is just, like, Huge, every man, yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> oh, ah, Tate. Sorry, you... we're back into it. Huh? I'm excited. We are back in, and we are drinking beer. Um, but yeah, uh, in the short story, the way that the guy George Nada gets, uh, like where he starts to see the uh, alien overlords, is that he's at a like live hypnotist show. And he's like one of the people on stage that's been hypnotized by this hypnotist. And when the hypnotist wakes everybody back up, like snaps his fingers and wakes everybody back up, all it says in the short story is like, he woke up too much, you know, or it's like something like he woke up too far and then he could start to see 
all the weird aliens around him. Yeah. So the sunglasses are an invention of the movie. Okay. So that is that is to say that the uh you know, the 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 short story has just like a few little it nuggets has like, of uh, the movie and it's yeah, like it has like the bones of it basically, but Yes, the movie is very, very different, pretty much. Um, as we go through the movie, I'll I'll bring up anything that happens in the short story that you know, because there are some things that it's like peppered throughout. You know, like the ending of this movie is fairly similar to what happens at the ending of the short story. Yeah, to an extent. Um, I'll bring them up. You know, nice. I'll be that guy. That's that's fine. You read the short story. I absolutely did not. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. Uh, so yeah, and so the okay, so then we see Roddy Piper. The first time we see him, he's like on a train tracks and he's walking through the the busted up city of L.A. Yes. Although I did notice today when I was rewatching it, they make a very strong point at even at the very beginning to like the areas that you see him walking through are very like grimy and like yeah, uh, it's it, it's it's very they they dress everything that uh, Rowdy Roddy Piper is. And I'm gonna call him Rowdy Roddy Piper. I'm not. Okay, I'm I not will just too. gonna call him Roddy Piper. I was trying to be like, a little respectful. I, you know, I thought about referring to him as Roderick it's, Piper. But it's his. It's his title. That's true. He is Rowdy. So uh, every time that he is walking around, he's always walking around through like a skid row. Yes, definitely. Like unequivocally, like skid row shanty houses, homeless people. Like he's. This is. I mean, this is the 80s version of, like, what we are kind of actually living through. <laughs> yeah, well, that was one of the big things. Oh, uh, all I was going to say is that, like, that's that's where they show him, like, the areas moving through. Yeah. But they also make a point right at the very beginning to show him, like, looking up at, like, the tall skyscrapers, you know, to be, like, to already give you, like, the class disparity, which is a, such a huge theme of this movie. Yeah. This, um, this whole movie is so anti-capitalist, which yeah. is what makes me really love it. Yeah. Um, I love anti-capitalist movies and especially like the eighties ones. Like, yeah. like this one, especially like they really lean on stuff that like maybe seems like a little bit ham handed, but, it, but when you're looking back on it, it's like, Oh yeah. Like maybe we should have done that. Some of that stuff. Right. Well, it's, it, I mean, yeah, this movie is, extraordinarily unsubtle like with its imagery and its and its theming you know yeah i mean it is it's on the nose it is it is super ham-handed on the nose it hits you in the face with it and you definitely realize that like oh yeah like you know the capitalists like the it's always rich old white people who are like the villain or not the villains but like the 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 they Right. Well, I would. I think it's fair to say they are the villains of this movie. I mean, for sure. You know. Oh, for sure. Yeah. But Could, but but they're but they're never like e- explicitly a villain. I guess. Yeah. True. Could you bring the mic up a little bit closer to your mouth? Oh yes. Okay. Of course. Okay. Yeah. Uh, sorry. <laughs> Not to be that guy. No, that's fine. Okay, that's beautiful. Thank you. Um. Uh. Yeah. Okay. So he's walking through, and he first goes to an unemployment office. Yes. And. Uh, the the woman there who he talks to is uh, c- clearly not giving a shit about his plight, you know? She has no interest in him whatsoever. No, I think she even kind of, like, rolls her eyes when he says, like, I was working for 10 years. Yeah. <laughs> up until right now. Like, I think she even has a little moment of being like, 
Yeah, like, she's like, Ugh. <laughs> like, yeah. I've heard this sob story before. Yeah, which I'm sure she has, but also that's because the country is fucking hard on people, you know. Yeah, yeah. totally. And uh, this is this is definitely a world that John Carpenter built, where uh, like we're we're looking down the barrel of like what capitalism has like done, you know? Yeah. And he, like, he's looking forward. It's like, there's a lot of homeless people here in Austin. I don't know if that, I don't know if that rings true to you, Tate, but it definitely does to me. Yeah. Well, that was a, that was a crazy thing watching this movie because like, not that I was ever laboring under the impression that like homelessness is something new, but it was weird watching this, like what, 30-year-old movie, 33-year-old movie. Yeah. And especially the scene where the cops tear down the homeless camp. Yeah. I was and like, they, and they I've just seen like, that happen here, you know, like recently. Like, that shit happens. Yeah. It's, it's It was so, like... It's hyper-prescient. Yes, like, absolutely. It's, it's, a, it's a very, a very forward-looking film that... Yeah. Uh, was yeah. in a lot of ways very on the nose. It was, but it was also like born out of like to hear John Carpenter talk about it in interviews and stuff. It was definitely born out of him hating Reagan and hating Reaganomics, you know. And um you know that thing of like that that Reagan did where he like he like repealed some Jimmy Carter bill for like a mental health bills and then like put like 40,000 like mental health patients like out on the street basically and they just became homeless. Yeah. Um, that was something too that John Carp- that was definitely on John Carpenter's mind, I think. Yeah, and he hated it. And he said, I, I I saw an interview with him where he mentioned like he was like, I felt like I needed to like rail against this thing in the the only way that I know how. Uh, I'm paraphrasing here, uh, but the one well, thing they did you, say, you, you use your platform yeah. to like rail against injustice. Yeah, like, yeah. for. I, you know, I've heard that John Carpenter is like kind of an asshole to work with maybe, but like yeah. a lot of, a lot of his like film output, at least up until this point, like I'm super on board with Me where too. he's like, Oh, like you're super pro capitalist. Like I don't want to really have anything to do with you. Like I, yeah. I sympathize with that in a very real way. Oh, me too, for sure. And the, like the way that the movie ends with, I'm jumping ahead a little bit here, but that's fine. You know, we're getting back into it. Um, yeah, it's the fine. way that the movie ends with you know Rowdy Roddy Piper literally giving the finger to the capitalist alien overlords. Yeah, hell this yeah. whole movie is John Carpenter giving a middle finger to Ronald Reagan. You know, yes, yeah. and uh, that's that is what I really liked about it. The yeah. anti-capitalist sentiment, like yeah. everything about it, uh, everything about the way that they framed like the rich and the powerful and stuff is so prescient and really hits hard. Yeah. I mean, to this day, 30, 40 years later, like whatever it is. And maybe even uh, more so now. Yeah. And, and, and it's amazing. It's, it's, it's truly amazing to see those kinds of, uh, like forward thinking ideas, like kind of like put out a hundred percent. And, uh, you know that that's that's why I like really appreciate this yeah. movie is like all like those kinds of ideas that are being like pushed forward. What I don't like about the movie is Rowdy <laughs> Roddy Piper. <laughs> yeah, well, I w- I think I was saying to you uh, off mic a little bit that, or maybe I was saying this on mic 
No, I was. That hit I, I've I've sort of grown a bit of a soft spot for Rowdy Roddy Piper. Now learning more about him as a person. And I think looking back at the movie, yes, a hundred percent. His performance is not the greatest. But also this was his first movie. You know, like That's that's true. I cut him a lot of slack now. I don't know. But and like I, I totally see where you're coming from and I do not disagree with you, but I just like the guy. I don't know. I I like the guy. I guess. Well, like I, I, that's that's kind of my quandary too. Is that I sort of do too, but just based on like his performance, you know, because it's like, it's, it's like great. it's it's one of these things where it's like, okay, like I kind of get this guy, but he's not really like delivering the lines, and no, some he's of not. his lines are horrible. Okay, I really want to talk about, uh, like. The one-liners, like the quips, because they, there's a there's at there, least there were, one they section. Were, they were trying so hard to get like some kind of catchphrase going. There's at least that one section of the movie. I don't really remember so much if it happens throughout the movie, but there's at least that one section right after he puts on the sunglasses. It's like the last on third of the movie, mini when he's rampage. Like, yeah, when he's woke. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where yes, he is putting in so many quips and one-liners, and I gotta tell you. I love them. I, <laughs> I think that the lines are so great. And I like as a writer, I'm like, I'll never be able to write anything that funny or that clever. You know, they're not even clever. They're just they're dumb and they're they're dumb, tough guy talk, which is all I ever want from an action movie. Like, I just want the hero to be like just saying dumb shit, you know? Oh, a thousand percent. I love it. It's that Arnold Schwarzenegger thing. It's the James Bond thing. Like, it happens all the time. But And I totally do it in this movie. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I, I loved it. I, it, like, I'm, I'm, like, giddy about it, you know? I, I really appreciated that they tried to put that stuff in. But, like, watching Roddy Piper deliver some of, like, the one-liners, like, the, those... <clears throat> You know that like they wrote them and they were like, oh man, this is gonna hit so hard. This is gonna be like a catchphrase or something yeah. like that. And he's yeah. like, he's like, he he just says like the dumbest shit in the world. Like, do it, we talked about this earlier? Yeah. Was this this is the kick ass and chew bubblegum scene, right? Well, we're we're not to that scene yet, but we can talk about that line now if you want to. Or we well, can wait. that that's that's the big line. That's the and main then the, line. Uh, then the but other so many. The other one. The other one that really got me was what was it? Uh, it it was, was like uh, Mama don't like tattletales, yeah. you know. And he points the shotgun at the guy. Yeah, just there. There's just a couple of there's a couple of like, I would say two or maybe three. Like things where it's like they were like, oh yeah, these are gonna be like killer slug lines. These are gonna go over so fucking well. And when you watch them, I mean, when I watch them, I'm just like, oh my fucking god! Like, give me a break. Well, I'll just bring it up now. One of the things that I that I that I found out was at least the um uh the the famous line from this movie that everyone knows, even if you haven't seen the movie, is the yeah I've come here. Uh, uh, excuse me, I get choked <laughs> up talking about it. Um, I've come here to chew bubblegum and kick ass, and I'm all out of bubblegum. Yes. To me, that is such a brilliant line. And what I found out was that Roddy Piper came to set with a notebook full of lines 
that he would write down from time to time because he was a wrestler and a big part of wrestling was, especially back then, was like trash talking other wrestlers. Yeah, hell yeah. He came to set with a notebook full of those lines and he showed it to John Carpenter and John Carpenter flipped through it. And at least with that one, John Carpenter was like, this is a great line. We're putting it in the movie. So Roddy Piper himself wrote that line. But I also suspect that he wrote a lot of lines like Mama Don't Like Tile Tales. And yeah. He says, he says shit, too. Or it's like he tells one guy, beat your feet, meaning like, get out of here. You know, yeah. it's like uh, nobody says that. You know? Yeah. Like, yeah. He's like, hey, kick rocks, you square. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> Blow dust. Uh, you know, like, or like the stuff when he first starts seeing the aliens, which I also love that his first instinct is to start insulting the aliens, you know? Yeah. Where he's hey, like, you hey, look like ugly. Yeah. <laughs> you look like your face. Oh, I forget what it is, but he's like, you look like you fell into the potato salad in 1955 or something like that. And I was like, <laughs> that has to be a Rowdy Roddy Piper line that he, that was in that notebook, you know? Like uh, it's, it's gotta be. Do you do you really think that John Carpenter wouldn't write a potato salad line? Oh no, I have full confidence that he would, especially <laughs> because, and this is something I want to bring up too. Uh, a running thing that I, I, you know, throughout the all these episodes and all these movies, the thing that I always go back to is the line from Assault on Precinct Thirteen: "You run this precinct like it's chicken night in Turkey." Oh I'm yeah, obsessed yeah. with that, and because it's so funny and so stupid. And those lines are you, those you kinds get, of you lines. You get what they're saying, but it also, if you examine it for just one second, it makes no sense. Yeah, and 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 those kinds of lines are all over John Carpenter's movies. So I would not for a oh, second put it past him. And and this movie especially. Yeah. But just knowing that Rowdy Rowdy Piper did at least write the bubblegum line. Yeah, I guess it is a little. It's hard to be like, hey, which ones do you think Piper wrote? And which ones do you think Carpenter wrote? And eh, who knows? Maybe that's why they got along so well. Is because they're both like, hey, we like these stupid wrestler lines. Hey, yeah. they they fuck it. They, obviously, like it worked. I mean, like I said, I love this movie. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. It, yeah. And, and like, I'm just like watching it. I'm watching this movie. I loved every second of it, but I'm also sitting there going like. Oh, like mm, that's uh, yeah. Like, well, when we were watching it for the first time, I was definitely like, "Why isn't this played by Kurt Russell?" Oh, a thousand percent. It just feels like it should be almost. You know? Yeah. And I did read that like Carpenter thought of Kurt Russell, but he didn't want to cast him because he he'd worked with him in like his like four previous movies or something like that. And he was like, I've worked with this guy too much. I need to do someone new. But Bad, I was like, poor excuse. I know. If like, you want a mulleted actor, especially in the in like, mid to late 80s, yeah. Kurt, Kurt Russell, Russell, man. Yeah. Rowdy like, Roddy Piper, fuck off. Like Kurt Russell, yeah. baby. Get Kurt Russell. Man, I didn't write it down. And if you're looking at IMDb right now, I don't know if you are. No, I'm I'm on uh, the They Live Wikipedia. Okay, well, it doesn't matter. But there there was a whole list, and again, because it was on IMDb trivia, who knows how true it is? But there was a whole list of actors that were considered for the role, um, and some of them seemed great, and some of them were like, no, you know. Yeah. What were, what were some? What were some of the bad ones? Well, like Johnny Depp was one of the ones that I read, and this was like Ugh, gross. before he was famous, really. But yeah, he would have been no good. Well, you know? he would have been a little kid at that point. He was, basically. He was a kid. Yeah I, yeah, I think he probably. I think he had been in like what Nightmare on Elm Street and me. I actually think Edward Scissorhands was the same year as this. I think. 
Yeah, or maybe, maybe later, or actually, maybe like Gilbert like Gilbert Grape was an earlier one too, right? No, Gilbert Grape I think was like ninety four or ninety three or something like that. Really, it was that late? I think so. Oh, Pretty boy. sure. So he definitely was like not famous, but he was probably like an up and comer that his agents were probably like, hey, you know this guy. Yeah, but he would have been terrible. Mel Gibson was one, and I was like, ooh, yeah, you know, I guess for eighty eight Mel Gibson, I can see it. I can see it. But just oh, knowing Mel sure. Gibson now, I'm like glad they didn't do that. You know, I I feel like. But 88 Mel Gibson, I, I mean. I don't want to be sitting here slagging Rowdy Roddy Piper, but no. the way that he did a lot of the stuff, like I would have maybe preferred to see Mel Gibson like do well, some of that stuff. Well, let me tell you what I thought was the best one, aside from Kurt Russell. Yeah. The one that I was like, this would have been fucking awesome, Patrick Swayze. Oh, I was like, Patrick Swayze. God, he oh, would have knocked out the fucking park. Dude. He would have been so good because he was ripped. He was a tough guy. Ripped, but he was full also mullet, like. Uh, full mullet, full mullet, too. But such a good actor, too, you know? Yeah. Yeah. No, oh, that's that is amazing. funny that they were definitely considering guys with mullets, too, because like Kurt Russell and that's, Patrick Swayze. <laughs> that's just 1988, baby. Yeah, yeah. One of that I read was Harrison Ford, and I was like, that cannot be true. It oh. cannot be true that Harrison Ford was considered for this role. I, I feel like that's one of those that's one of those things where they're like, oh, like best case scenario, like Harrison Ford. Yeah, or just in '88, Harrison Ford was probably considered for literally every role because yeah. he was like the hottest guy in Hollywood at the time. You know? Oh yeah, for sure. And I'm sure. He, I mean, I am a huge Harrison Ford fan. I love that guy so much. He would have done great, but also like. He, I don't, it wouldn't have worked. He was way too established at that point, I feel like, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And it would have worked for maybe like 1981 Harrison Ford. Oh, yeah, know? for sure. But not 1988 Harrison Ford. No. What was he like, doing? Like Mosquito Coast? Fuck maybe, that. maybe that's later. <laughs> I, I, don't actually, I haven't seen that movie. I just found out about it. That's why I go, I want to watch it. But. Anyways. No, uh, I, I, I agree with you. I don't know that Harrison Ford would have been the right choice. Yeah. And I did see also like, because I also said, like, Arnold Schwarzenegger. And again, it was just like, yeah, he was considered for literally every single role. Yeah, that's uh, that would have been... Like the, like the Running Man era, maybe? When yeah. Was Running Man? Yeah, uh, Running Man was... I think that Running Man would have been right around the same time. I think so, too. And that's actually... I think that might have been, like, 87 or something. But uh, he actually does kind of play the same character in Running Man. So that's kind of... He plays, like, a construction worker, right? Who yeah, gets, he does. Like, wrongfully sent to prison and then thrown into this, like, game or whatever. Yeah. We're not here to talk about The Running Man. Anyways, we can move on with maybe, the movie. Maybe later we'll talk maybe about The Running Man. Or, yeah, the, almost certainly. <laughs> For sure. Oh, sorry. Andy, come on, man. Oh, dude, I got to pop a beer. I know you love The Running Man, but come on. I... I just love Arnold and the Running Man, <laughs> and especially the game show host. Uh, what was that guy? The guy who used to Richard, kiss everyone. Richard Dawson. Dawson. Yeah. He used to kiss every woman. Every single woman. And then at the end of Running Man, he gets killed. Nice. That's right. It's pretty great, dude. He's so good at Running Man. I guess yeah. when we said we we're gonna talk about Running Man later, we meant five seconds right now. Later yeah. Because it's right now. I saw this, Running this Man. This is technically later. It is technically, and <laughs> this is a segment. Yeah, this it, is a segment. It's called The Running Man. The Running Man. I, love uh, it. I saw The Running Man for the first time ever, probably like two years ago. It was like... Really? Yeah, I never saw it growing up. I mean, I think I probably like caught bits and pieces of it on TV, but I, I just had never seen it. Uh, and uh, Alamo Draft House did like a screening of it like a couple of years ago. It was pretty much like 
maybe like a month or two before quarantine hit, you know? Yeah. So I went to it, <laughs> I went to it by myself and I was definitely the only person that was there by myself. And I was also definitely the only person who had never seen the movie before because everyone else there was super excited. Yeah. But the movie was great, but I was so blown away by Richard Dawson. I was like, oh my God, he's such a great actor. Like, he, why Why did he not act? Why was he just a game he's, show host? He's an excellent villain. Such in that, a good villain. In that uh, movie. Uh, the the thing that really sticks with me with Running Man is uh, all of the uh, different oh, uh, like the gladiators. American gladiator. And, and especially, yeah. especially the guy who had like the electronic car who tried to rape the woman. Oh yeah. Oh god, I he forgot fully, about that. He fully he he fully it, tries. He fully takes his pants down like yeah. he's in his underwear when she like stops him and like kills him or whatever. Yeah, yeah, but no, she doesn't kill him but she like she like happens. disables him and he's like in his underwear like he's going to fucking rape her. He's full on and going it's like, for that. Oh boy. <laughs> This used to just be a thing that you could just throw into a movie, and it was fine. Yeah, yeah, and, and you know, weird. and it was PG thirteen. Yeah, he's <laughs> gonna he's yeah. gonna try to rape this woman. PG thirteen. Yep, yep, <laughs> yep, yep. Uh, the thing about Richard Dawson too that I found out, I was like, why is he not like acted more? I then and during quarantine, I think like last summer or something, I watched the movie Autofocus. Have you ever seen that movie? No, it's really good. First of all. Um, and it's based on a true story. It's based on uh, the life of Bob Crane, who played in Hogan's Heroes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and all the weird, weird, not okay, like, shit that he was into. He, like, the way that I know about Bob Crane is that he, and correct me if I'm wrong, he was married yeah. young. Mm-hmm. He stayed with his wife until, like, she died. Or something. I think he or stayed maybe with his wife got, until he maybe, died. Maybe they got divorced. What? I think he stayed with his wife until he died. Or they might have gotten divorced. I don't remember. I no, just I, I, I thought I thought he was the guy who like started doing like crazy orgies. And yes, stuff he did. Like that. And yeah. he would like film people without them knowing it. Like yeah. uh, against their consent and stuff. Yeah. Okay. So it's like I I maybe just don't have the story right. But well, uh, I, he, I was, don't he was fully the guy who like went off the rails and was like doing yeah. orgies and yes. stuff. Yeah. And, and and in a not okay, like non-consensual way with yeah. women, you know, but when I, I was mean, watching that he movie, was, he was like in Hogan's heroes or something. Yeah. That, that, that he was like been... a family. Well, he was seen by the, by America as like a, 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 a you know, a, a family friendly TV show star, you know, like that was his whole image. Yeah. But then all this like, and awful then it, shit that he was in. And then and then you get into the eighties and it's like, oh yeah, no. he'll rape your daughter. It well <laughs> according to the movie, it was like while he was on Hogan's Heroes, you know. Really? Yeah. It was like just a secret that he had. Oh yeah. wow. Uh, according to the movie. Again, I, d- I haven't actually done the real research. But anyway, the thing I was gonna say is that Richard Dawson is a is a character in that movie because he was an actor on Hogan's Heroes. And so For real? Yes. When he was like young. Because it was in the 50s. So I was like, I was watching this movie, and this character gets introduced as Richard Dawson. And I was like, oh, it must just be the same name. It's not, yeah. it's not the same guy. Because also, in the movie, Richard Dawson is British. And I was like watching this movie, and I was like, well, Richard Dawson's not British. But then I looked it up. Richard Dawson, A, was the actor on Hogan's Heroes, and B, is British. 
Really? Richard Dawson is British, and that blew my mind more than anything because he just he just I guess did an American accent for I, for Family Feud. I one thousand percent didn't know that he was British. Isn't that wild? That is crazy. It seems crazy to think. Yeah. Also, and I can bring this back to They Live. Yeah. In that movie, in Autofocus, there's a scene where, okay, Greg Kinnear plays Bob Crane. Willem Dafoe is also in the movie. There's a scene where the two of them meet. Willem Dafoe is the character that really gets Bob Crane into, like, he gets him into, like, a video recording equipment, but also, like, these weird non-consensual sex situations. Sure. Uh, but in the movie, when they video, meet, video equipment and uh, non-consensual sex situations, I think, are synonymous. Yeah, especially if you're someone like Brian De Palma or something like that. Yeah. But uh, in the movie, the scene that Willem Dafoe gets introduced in, he walks up to Bob Crane. He goes, hey, John Carpenter, nice to meet you. And I, I was like, Ooh, hold up, hold up. Like, hold the whole phone here. Like, Because yeah. I already had bad in my mind blood about Richard Dawson. And I was like, this cannot be the same Richard Carpenter. Obviously, it's not because Richard Carpenter would have been like a baby in the 50s. Yeah, totally. But it fucking blew my mind that, that the real guy's name was John Carpenter. <laughs> that's that's crazy. So speaking of John Carpenter, back to They Live. Back to They Live. And I think actually, we're into the first uh, 10 minutes of this movie. Actually, uh, we've, we've discussed a very small amount, but I think it's about time for us to take a break. Let's take a quick break. So let's take then... a quick break and we'll come back. And uh, yeah. I've, got, I've got the synopsis and we'll... Uh, I've try to notes. we'll try to actually run through it rather than doing it through memory, well, which is harder. It is harder, but you know how we do. We go long here. We just shoot the shit. We do I, what we do. Yeah, I'm not worried about it. I'm just saying I've got the synopsis. We can we can do it. This might not be a four hour episode, but maybe it is. Or it might be. We'll see. Yeah. All right. We'll I don't give a sh- I don't give a shit. You want uh, you want to listen for four hours? You fucking pigs. That's you. That's on listen. you, weirdo. Listen to us, you fucking morons. <laughs> I have. I. Real I'm quick sorry. I'm talking to the people in Kansas City, Kansas. Of course. Yes. Yeah. And I'll add Fresno to that list. Yes, Fresno, Fuck California. You Fresno. Fres- you, you are the second city on blast. Unacceptable. Yeah. I call them Fresno freaks. That's. I love that. Fresno Probably freaks. Probably not uh, an okay really word to use anymore. <laughs> uh, let's let's find out what the internet has to say. Great. Uh, well, uh, we'll be right back. We'll be right back. Dive into They Live Now. Yes. Uh, with the plot synopsis. I feel like we've uh, really spent... We we spent an hour on the first what five or ten minutes or something. No, it was only like thirty eight minutes. You know, we're 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 good. Uh, okay. We, we but we, what what I was gonna say too, and I talked about this with you off mic that like it's impossible to talk about this movie without talking about some like heavy serious stuff that that happens in the world and happened then and still happens now. Yes. And when I say the world, I guess what I actually mean is America. Yes. Um, America, America in particular, for sure. And I'm sure that there will be moments too, where we get back to talking about serious stuff, but you know, this is meant to be a fun podcast. So yeah, we're going to jump right in and we're going to have a lot of fun. We're, we're going to have fun discussing this hyper anti-capitalist movie that yes. I completely sympathize with. <laughs> and me too. I, yes. Just so our listeners are clear, we both hate capitalism. Anti-capitalism. Thank yeah. you. Okay. So uh, I, I I pulled up the uh, Wikipedia. Uh, Wait, but... Oh, okay, yes, 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 yes. Go ahead. For the, for the plot. And so uh, we're, we're going to start going through this. 
Uh, a homeless drifter credited only as Nada, which means nothing, right, uh, comes to Los Angeles in search of a job. While out on the street, he sees a street preacher warning that, oh, quote unquote, that's right. they have recruited the rich and powerful to control humanity. We need to actually talk about that scene with the street preacher. Yes. Uh, because as we both noted when we were watching it together, uh, the street preacher is black. Yes. And uh, there's a scene where, yeah, he's out preaching on the streets. There's a little bit of a crowd gathered, but then the cops pull up. And the cops are very clearly, they jump out of the car and they're very clearly coming to arrest this black man. Yes. And, and that it, is terrifying. Well, he's, the thing, the thing about the black man is that he's also blind. Yeah. So this is a, a this a is disability. a disabled black man yeah, yeah. who is a priest mm-hmm. who is, uh, I mean, speaking the truth and he the, is. the cops show up to basically like bust his head yeah you know what's funny that's only hitting me now though is that like the next time you see that preacher character or 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 priest um i think he is wearing like a like a he's he's wearing he's wearing like the he's wearing the collar and stuff it's it's very or which to me seems very catholic but i i guess it's it's not relegated only to catholicism i think feel like it is but i don't know maybe, much about but maybe i don't actually know like he yeah. could be he could be like whatever but yeah. like he's obviously like a christian yeah priest but anyway i would just say because like yeah the cops come and and run up at him you don't see him get arrested because rowdy rowdy piper just walks away <laughs> yes uh, rowdy rowdy piper does so much walking through <laughs> Walking away from things. Walking through unmolested, walking away through like real situations in this movie. Yeah. Which is what really drove me crazy about Roddy Roddy Piper's uh uh like his character, his, his, like, his character and his performance, like yeah, he like he had so many opportunities to like be like in like the mix and stuff yeah. like that, but like there was there were scenes where like like uh, the homeless encampment that he was literally living at like was fully under under siege by yeah. like oh was being assaulted and torn down by yeah. the police yeah, yeah yeah by the police and with a bulldozer like and, and and he's just walking around just like fine yeah like and nobody nobody talks to him he doesn't have to do any battles. He's just like walking around. Yeah. Like, oh man, like they're just like ter- they're just burning this place that I live now. I guess. Right. And and this might come back to his performance because definitely watching it, you just sort of get the sense that it's like, well, I you don't get any sense from him. You you don't get any sort of feeling or anything from him. There's but oh, go ahead. I, no, I I I completely agree with you. Yeah. I don't feel like there's a lot of grounding like right. there there's not a lot of grounding in rowdy roddy piper's character definitely not but i listening to the uh the commentary with john carpenter and, and rowdy roddy piper uh one of the things they were both saying well i guess i i guess rowdy roddy piper was saying it more um was that like in those scenes yeah, like the scene where the the camp is getting torn down, and the scene that we're on now, where the priest is getting, you know, uh, I guess presumably arrested by the cops. Um, uh, he was saying that, like, you know, he's like, 
the guy, the character in that scene, John Nada, is seeing this happening and doesn't like it, but knows that like attempting to intercede would do nothing. Like he knows that it's futile. Yeah. Um, which is a real thing. I mean, you sometimes you see things and you want to get involved, but you know that you wouldn't be accomplishing anything, or maybe you might even, in some cases be. Yeah, this worse. this isn't going to benefit anybody if I just like start shoving right. my nose in. Right. Yeah. And so I think that that's what the movie is trying to do with the character, but again, because of Piper's performance, you're not getting that. You know, yeah. you're sort of just getting a dopey guy who. Maybe if anything, just looks like he doesn't fully understand what's happening, <laughs> you know. Oh, a hundred percent. So, um, so we've gotten down. So, he, well, he goes to the construction site. Yeah, right? he find he finds employment at a construction site and which, befriends fellow construction worker Frank. Right. Which is another thing about the character that I I kind of wanted to talk with you about, just in like uh, general terms. Yeah. Uh, because I, I, this was something that, like, watching the movie, obviously there were a lot of things that correlate to today's, the society that we live in. Yeah. The things that we see, the things that we know that happen and that are terrible. Yeah. Um, but one of the things that I kind of wanted to talk about that I thought was interesting was, that, like, I feel like the movie goes out of its way to let you know that this character, Rowdy Roddy Piper's character doesn't want any handouts he doesn't want any charity yeah like he wants to work you know yeah and i guess i just found that interesting because i was like he's a guy who's like i mean he doesn't have a home he doesn't have a job when he shows up in la yeah he a finds a job very quickly that's, which i don't that, know how I, realistic that's that a, is that's a relic of the 80s that might be an 80s thing yeah but also just the fact that like the movie is going out of its way to kind of, and this sort of bugged me a little bit, I guess, whereas like the movie sort of feels like it's saying like, oh no, he's not uh, some charity case or something, you know, it's like he's a capable guy who wants to work, you know, I don't know. What, what are your feelings about that? Cause that, that's sort of, I don't know. It bugged me in a in a way that I can't fully define. Uh, I I understand what you're saying because especially with the way that he got a job and stuff, like you've got his friend Frank who's like, yeah, hey, like you know, like. Well, and Frank like, also says like I have a wife and kids back in Detroit that I haven't seen for six months. You know, like so Frank is also like traveling and just wherever the work is, you know, that's where he's going. Yeah, it, it it's. Like, this kind of stuff is, like, because this movie is very anti-capitalist. Yeah, definitely. And when you're watching all of this stuff, uh, you know, him getting a job and uh, Rowdy Roddy Piper getting a job and stuff, like, what you're seeing is, like, the good parts of capitalism. I guess so. Maybe that's what so. It is. Like it's a it's a weird like paradox. Like yeah, capitalism is bad, but like yeah, you can just like get a job and be able to like survive. But then like yeah, also like his friend is like his friend is like the black guy, and like yeah. I feel like that was like color coded maybe in a certain way would be like yeah, well like this maybe is not like the best thing. Well, it is also interesting. I think. Uh, 
and maybe if this movie were made nowadays, you know, uh, not to say this would necessarily be the case. Oh, Andy, Jesus. I was Sorry. making a good point here. Come on, man. Oh, Tate, I'll do it right back to break you. Break one open right after me. Do it right back to you, man. Uh, no, uh, yeah, I, 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 do, I, I do think it's interesting, and and we could probably get into a whole long discussion that we probably don't need to get into right now about the fact that the hero of this movie is a white guy. I mean, it's are not, you, that's are not you, at all. Are you saying that a couple of white guys shouldn't necessarily be uh, commenting on this stuff because that is a very bold stance? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> You know what? Actually, what I am saying is that we should comment on this stuff, except that we maybe should save it for off mic because I feel like me and you could also probably talk for about three hours just about that. Yes, let's uh, let's talk about this and off mic and not get canceled. Hey, How about that? Sure. <laughs> <laughs> or maybe we do a little uh, Patreon bonus episode about about that. And, Ooh, and, and then we get canceled. then get canceled. <laughs> yeah, now we're talking. I like that. No, no, no. But I, I guess what I'm gonna say is like. Uh, like I don't know it. It's this movie is tough to talk about. Like this movie is tough to talk about because it does relate to so many real world things that me and you are obviously people, and a lot of people are conscious of. You know, yes, especially especially in this day and age, yes. like the the anti capitalist sentiment. I don't yeah. think is as uh, fringe as it was before. No, what I think it probably was kind of fringe when this movie came out. Oh, for sure. Like this, this, this movie. Like I feel like people who watched this movie in the eighties were like, "Oh, well, like what a fantastical version of like what our society could be like yeah. become." Right. And then now we're sort of actually there in a certain yeah. in a way. Well, we I think we were there then, and John Carpenter saw it, and we're still there now. Oh, the thing that I said to you off mic that I definitely want to say on Mike is that I was watching an interview with John Carpenter talking about this movie. And the thing that he said that really hit both of us really hard was that he said, and this is a quote, the eighties never ended. Oh yeah. That was, that hit you hard when I told you that he said that. And it hit me hard when I watched the video last night. I, I, I think that that is a very prescient and, precise way of putting like it is modern american well like discourse and stuff like that like, yeah consumerism know, like, yeah. politics like everything yeah. the 80s yeah the 80s lives the 80s 40 the years 80s later live and we sleep yeah you know that's kind of what that's kind of what's going on oh my god tate okay. that's so incisive i'm so sorry <laughs> I, I feel like i'm being like way too serious on this episode i don't know man well we've all we've uh i mean every anyone who's listening to this podcast if anyone is yeah. uh, has, we'll find out yeah or we'll, never yeah, <laughs> yeah maybe yeah, not yeah. I don't, i'm not that worried about it but um anyone who's been living through you know 2020 and 2021 like there there's there's cracks in everything like yeah. you could you can see everything if you oh yeah bother to look yeah and that's you all you that? have to do and i guess that's what this movie is about you know yeah just... but it but it's you know it's from the 80s and it's like yeah. oh my god like i wish that we had like taken some of those like 
like t- taking some of those uh like what do you even call it like like a like a I- ideals or, or ideals ideologies or principles like just just Concepts. recognizing stuff and not like really drinking yeah. the kool-aid i guess like, yeah and that's again and that's what this whole movie is about is just being like yeah, well like you said drinking the kool-aid and being put to sleep by yeah. society while totally. all these uh evils and injustices are going on yeah i i do think like you said i do think it's true that like people people now especially people probably our age and we're a little bit different in age but we are essentially the same generation uh yeah I, I it's it's impossible for us to ignore nowadays you know whereas maybe back in 88 it was maybe a little easier for the vast majority of people to ignore yeah it seemed it seemed fantastical but now yeah. like now that it's played out it's like oh yeah like it's a and nightmare the, and the, the fantastical aspect of this movie uh that it is that it turns out to be you know spoiler alert aliens doing all this uh when we first watched it i think i said to you too i was like that feels a little like too simple for me. Like it, like it undercuts kind of the message of the movie. It's like, oh no, it's not humans who are bad. It's these weird aliens that are bad. Yeah, they're they're make they're making things bad for us. Exactly. However, having now done some more research and rewatching half of the movie, yeah, uh, I think what I wasn't getting the first time around. I was I was definitely getting the like social commentary, yeah. but I wasn't getting the fact that it it's satire, and that's that's what I'm that's what I'm getting now is that like, oh no, it's satire, and that's what satire always is is taking things to their most absurd extreme end, yeah, in order to make a point about what's actually happening now. So I think I guess the point being, when this movie ended the first time around. I didn't feel like it knocked my socks off, but it has grown in my estimation in the past couple of days, thinking about it and reading about it and watching videos about it and stuff. And, um, I think it's a great movie. It's, it's a, like I said, it's one of my favorite movies I've ever watched that I also sort of hated. So, cause it does have a B movie sort of aesthetic. Sometimes it's it just rowdy, Which rowdy, is, just rowdy, rowdy Piper. Like the way that he reacts to stuff, like yeah. really just, broadly bummed me out do you think that if it had been kurt russell or patrick swayze that at least in your mind andy this movie would like be like tippity top of the list you know like um i mean a plus plus the the short answer is maybe but like like i wanted to like 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 i like i said like i said uh before like it seems like they took maybe two or three times during the during the movie to give Rowdy Roddy Piper like a real good like slug line for yeah. something. Yeah. And every time that that happened, I was like, "Ugh." And you already know that I disagree with you about that. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay, let's continue with actually talking about the movie. So, yeah, so okay. so he meets Frank Keith David who is amazing. Yes. Um, Fantastic. Yeah. Uh so uh but don't maybe don't just read aloud the Wikipedia like article. About well, I like I'm 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 not I'm not trying to do that, but like we, I know. you know we've been I know. okay. They so get to, they go to the camp and they meet Gilbert, who is like this guy who runs the camp. Yeah, um, with like the slick back hair, and he sort of 
mm, he he starts to seem shady, you know. Yeah, and uh, the same night that they meet Gilbert, uh, a hacker takes over the television broadcasts, and they start to uh, put out, uh, you know, a broadcast about yeah. how like people are being. Uh, uh, controlled and controlled and, and, and all that stuff and, and the broadcast I, even mentions like racial injustice you know which i don't think it's something that this movie really dives hard into but to hear john carpenter talk about it that was something that was on his mind well john carpenter has dived into racial injustice like before yeah i, I kind of almost feel like assault on precinct 13 is yeah is more uh incisive about racial justice than oh yeah than for sure is. Yeah. like 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 the way I'm that sorry, assault on precinct 13 and a half there yeah and uh <clears throat> the way that um uh the captain like what, what, what uh, in assault and precinct yeah 13 uh, like the way that he's treated is name, a lot yeah. more like harsh and stuff like that John Carpenter does a lot of like racial justice stuff, yeah. but like it is still kind of like eighties where it's like, it's a little, it's a little gentle. You have yeah, to yeah. kind of like read <laughs> so, into it maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and that, that is an interesting thing about, I feel like almost all of John Carpenter's movies so far, maybe with the exception of like dark star and, and, and Starman. Yeah. But a lot of his movies do have like a subversive bent to them. Oh, for sure. And, and this one just kind of it it makes it not a bent, it makes it the entire point of the movie. Yeah, yeah for sure. Um so so Frank talks to Roddy Roddy Piper about like, you know, the American dream and where he's like, you know, he's like life is all one big game and the name of the game is like get yours, you know. Yeah. Um and Roddy Roddy Piper is like, as a character, he's like, hey, I believe in America. I believe, you know, I follow the rules. Yeah. And so things are going to turn around for me at some point, which is a, a, a pretty cool, like, character arc to do. You know, where it's like, hey, this guy, he's a dum-dum. Yeah. <laughs> he's kind of a dum-dum throughout the movie. And I think that's probably a big part of why Roddy Roddy Piper was cast. Because if you just watch him as a person in interviews and stuff, he's kind of a big dum-dum. Oh, yeah, for sure. But a sweethearted dum-dum. Yeah. Uh, but to have that like that character arc be like, no, no, no. I believe in America, you know? Yeah. And America is good. Look at, look at what America is doing. Exactly, yeah. I yeah. like it. Even <laughs> while you are forced to not have a home, you know? Yeah, live in a homeless encampment that yeah. uh, gets, uh, you know, besieged. Right. And Keith David is a little bit more, I feel like, smarter about that kind of stuff. And his character, Frank, is like, no, like, you know, like, you're dumb. You know, yeah. like, you're you're an idiot if you think that things are going to ever work out for you, because that's not what the system wants, you know? Yeah, totally. Yeah. Okay. So uh, there's the broadcast. Uh, oh, the shanty. Right. Okay. So that same night that the broadcast happens... The shanty town and church are destroyed in a police raid. Well, and this but, this is this is one of the big scenes that really drives me crazy about this movie. Well, wait, but, okay, but a little bit before I before the police raid, isn't that when uh, Rowdy Roddy Piper sort of like is snooping around the church and he goes in, he sees it there, 
th- there is an actual choir there. He's been hearing choir music, but he's he finds out that it's actually just a recording. Yeah, it's a recording, and they're and doing. He sees they're doing the sunglasses. You know? Yeah. Um, he also sees like weird lab equipment with like test tubes filled with like orange and blue liquid. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's a little bit like uh, okay. I guess that's meant which, to imply which, that that's which how also, making the which glasses. Which also never came back. It like, did, never comes back. Other than I guess again, somehow that weird those weird uh, chemistry lab sets are how they're making the sunglasses. I don't know. I don't quite know. That's that's how you see aliens. Yeah. Is through Windex and uh, melted Otter Pops. Yeah. Just like in Dark Star, actually. <laughs> yeah. Right? <laughs> yeah. So, um, the, yeah, the raid. Yeah. So, uh, the following day, Nada retrieves one of the boxes from the church and takes a pair of sunglasses from it, hiding the rest in a yes, trash can. That's right. Okay. I actually do want to, I want to continue with the movie, but I also want to, like, pinpoint the fact that he takes one pair of sunglasses right he takes one pair why one no why but also because it'll come back yeah i feel i think i I mean when we were watching the movie there's a point later where there's two pairs and we were like uh he only definitely only took one yeah (laughs) but uh anyway it's he leaves the rest in a trash can it's a it's a whole thing and then and then there's the amazing scene where he's walking down the street trying out the sunglasses yes which is honestly like such an incredible scene he's he's just he's looking around he sees obey like on yeah. like like the different which uh, I saw billboards the... like he sees yeah. like uh this is the first time when you see uh the the uh the alien, alien faces people, like yeah, yeah. like with their like weird yeah. shit but it's like the build-up of the scene is like slow you know like like he First puts on the song, like, I don't know, they just, and John Carpenter, I think, is such a master of this, of, like, building one concept sort of block by block. Yeah. And making it really work to you as a viewer in that way. And this scene is just a perfect example of that. Yeah. The scene is incredible where he's walking down the street for the first time. The thing that does get me, it, it definitely, like, was a hangout for me the first time watching it. Yeah. And it became a little less of a hang up the second time watching around, but still this kind of thing is how quickly Nada gets on board with Oh yeah, these are evil aliens and I gotta kill them. Like he gets on board so quickly. It, it's like the first thing when he sees them, he's yeah. like he d- he doesn't go like what is going on. He yeah. goes like these are aliens and I have to kill them. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> it's, yeah. It's, like like it, his, he's he's fully he fully understands like what's going on. His yeah. His first instinct is to start insulting the aliens, which yeah. I find very funny. Uh, yeah. He's like, oh, you're a fucking you know. Yeah, pasty faced bitch or something right. like that. Well, they like he sees one of them like primping her hair in a reflection. He's I he's like, I think he I think the line is like that's like pouring perfume on a pig, you know, yeah. <laughs> like uh, which again feels like a wrestler line to me. Yes, um, definitely, and 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 a very old yeah. like sort of like insult. It was like you're a pig and you probably stink. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but it's shit that I love. I don't know. I like it a lot. Um. Uh. But yeah, he the thing that made it make a little bit more sense this time around watching it was he when he go walks into the grocery store, 
and he sees like the the TV, uh, and there's some like politician, like holding like a rally or something. Yeah, he's wearing the sunglasses, so he sees the big sign behind the guy that says "obey," and he has the idea in the face, and the guy is like talking about how great America is, basically, mm-hmm. and uh, uh, Nada then like he laughs, and. The line I didn't catch this line the first time I watched it, but I, I saw it this time. I heard it this time around. He goes like, he. I think the line is he says, "It figures it would be something like this," you know. Yeah. And that kind of made me be like, okay, like he like he was a little clued into things that things were fucked up. Yeah. And so when he sees that it's like alien overlords, it just sort of clicks for him. Like, yeah, he's like, oh, yes, I, I uh, get it. Of course. Yeah. Because it made me think of, like, what would we do if we, like, I mean, me and you off mic have talked extensively about, like, you know, the fucked up, like, political and sociological situations in America. I I do feel like if it was, like, Joe Biden is an alien or something. Yeah. I'd be like, oh, yeah. Yeah. You (laughs) or any politician, you would kind of be like. Yeah. I mean, I think I might yeah. have the same reaction that Nod has to be like, of course it's something like this. Yeah. yeah. They're, and then they're, maybe they're, they're horrible. Board. I don't like them. Like, fuck them. Like, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Obviously, like, there's some kind of, like, weird alien or yeah. something. Uh, <laughs> like, we should make it clear that <laughs> just because Joe Biden was the first example that you pulled, I feel like maybe we should make it clear that um, Joe Biden is like not it. an alien. I voted He's not for an alien. I voted for Joe Biden. Uh, Trump uh, me is. Me too. I don't. I didn't want to necessarily, but I did because yes. he's better than the other option. Yes, Trump is trash. Uh, this is this is. Uh, oh, and also our uh, for canon mm-hmm. at real Donald Trump. We oh, can't. Yeah. We can't get our. Uh, mm. We can't get our uh, corrections anymore. So well, I, I I think I think still if people hear us and want to send in corrections, they can still send it at, at real Don. I mean, they can, they might as well. I feel like, I feel like Donald Trump has an email address that they could send corrections into. It's like <laughs> Donald, Donald Trump, one, two, three at hotmail.com. I think yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh no. You know what? It's probably something like pin 1569 at, at hotmail.com. <laughs> you know? <laughs> Yeah, email email us uh, for corrections at the real pussy liquor sixty nine sixty nine. I actually think that might go to Chris Evans. Actually, if I'm if I'm thinking about it. Oh boy, I'm thinking Chris Christie. Yeah, maybe it's him too. No, he. I think I think his I think his email address is like Bridge and Tunnel Closer. Yeah, hell 1999. yeah. <laughs> Boy, we are making some stupid references right now. <laughs> I am not worried about it. I and love it. Whoever is listening to this is probably fine with it too. If you've made it this far, also if you've listened to the previous like ten episodes, God bless you. you yeah, God bless you, and uh, thank you, mom. <laughs> <laughs> Tate's mom, you're doing God's work. I actually didn't tell her to stop listening around episode five. So. Um, <clears throat> No, but okay. Oh, wait. That actually brings me to a point that I wanted to talk about that I wasn't sure if... I know we're barely getting into this movie. We're barely talking about it, but that's fine. But there's so much to talk about around this movie, you know? That's kind of... A, that. 
I feel like talking around this movie is more interesting than talking about the movie. I agree completely. And, you know, we're feeling this out. This podcast is whatever we want it to be. So we're doing whatever we want. Yeah. Fuck you, listeners. Fuck you. Um, Sorry, Mom. Uh, but uh, no, not okay. Tate's mom, but everyone in Kansas City, Kansas, for sure. And Fresno, fuck y'all. And Fresno, yeah, fuck yeah. So something that I didn't know about this movie, um, but uh, that I found out was that like, uh, okay, I'll start off talking about it this way. When we were watching it together, uh, I definitely like had heard about this movie. I kind of. I, knew essentially in broad strokes what it was about, you know, anti-capitalism and stuff like that. Yeah, totally. But, uh, uh, while we were watching it, I had the weird feeling where I was like, okay. I like, I, I was like, I feel like I'm jibing with everything this movie is saying, right. Anti-capitalism stuff. Yes. All on board for that. The fact that like the rich and powerful are, using their money and their power to keep working class oh, people and it, and subservient. It, and especially the way that they uh uh painted like all of like the the people. It was always like old wealthy dowagers yes. or yes. like some guy in like some horseshit suit. Like right. the kind of people that you could see on yeah. the street and be like, fuck that person. Of course. Yeah. Fuck that person because obviously they're rich. Yeah. And they obviously don't give a fuck about anything except amassing more money and more power. So watching this, I was like, I'm totally on board with all that, that incisive commentary, that sort of punching up kind of thing of being like, fuck these people, you know, yeah, totally on board with that. But I did have the weird thought too, where I was like, you know, there are so many people nowadays. I don't necessarily think, well, I don't know if it was a thing in the eighties. I don't really think it was, but there's so many people nowadays I thought specifically of like the QAnon people who yeah. are like, who think that like the government is controlled by like lizard people with like a, and the Democrats run like a, like a child sex cult or something like that, you know, deep state cabal. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. I, I thought of that stuff too. And I was like, I know this movie isn't saying that stuff, but it made me feel weird that people who think that way might watch this movie and use it as like a, and see that stuff. You yeah. Know? Be like, oh, yeah. See, like aliens could like totally like do exactly. this kind of thing. Like, yeah. Uh, my my word view, my worldview is justified and I'm going to continue trashing the place. Exactly. <laughs> and I'm going to continue using this as a justification to be a piece of shit and hate yeah. other people. Yeah. And I was like, fuck that. But it was making me feel weird because I was like, I, I'm, I feel like I'm on the same page as this movie, but there might also be people who I really don't care for who are see themselves as being on the same page as this movie. Yeah, totally. And then the, the weird thought, like sort of like dichotomy of like, I don't, I don't want to be liking the same thing that horrible people might like, you know? And oh, then, for sure. And then I found out um, last night that this movie was at least for a time, maybe still is sort of, co-opted by like alt-right neo-nazis to like like the people who believe in that stuff like the like the neo-nazis yeah will look at this movie and say it's uh it 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 is an allegory for how jewish people control the world 
and gross, fucking gross, and go fuck yourself if you feel yeah, that way. go fuck yourself to death, please, if yes. you think that. But it, it it but it did like affirm something for me where I was like, this movie could be co opted by horrible evil people, and well, then and then what made me feel a little bit better is that I saw that like John Carpenter in 2017, which also 2017, four years ago. So like, yeah. what, what, 30 years after this movie came out or something like that? Yeah. Was like, like had to make a statement about being like, no, this movie is about like anti-capitalism. And he, to his credit, and I love John Carpenter for this and for a lot of things. He seems like a great guy, but I love him for this. He made no bones about the fact of being like, if you are like a a Nazi person who is seeing this as like an anti-Jewish movie, fuck you. Like he he was like, yeah, yeah. My man, John Carpenter, my man. He was, he was, he was like, that is slander and bigoted and you are not, you don't understand this movie and you are a horrible person. Yeah, fuck yeah. that shit. So John Carpenter, my man. No, he's, he's great. He he seems he, like the best. He he, I've I obviously like we've we've heard of uh, him having like falling outs with like yeah. his like uh, writing like exes, partners and, and his stuff like and that. Stuff, yeah, and his exes, and he can be kind of a big asshole, but I but mean, not not in that way. He's very unequivocal about Un- unequivocally like yeah. him saying that stuff. Like, yeah, that, fucking that John that, Carpenter, my man. And that made me feel a lot better. I that's exactly what I wanted to hear from this stuff. Like, hey, this isn't about the Jews trying to get you. No. Like, thank you. And obviously anyone who sees this movie and thinks that is a fucking moron and also a hateful, evil person. There's a lot of fucking morons in the world. There are a lot of fucking morons in the world. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, I guess I'm only bringing that up because, like, I did have a thought while we were watching it where I was like, I felt like this movie could be sort of co-opted by horrible people. And it turns out it was, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Uh I don't know. I didn't have a larger point beyond that. I guess I just want to get your thoughts on the, on on that. Uh, I, my, my thoughts on that is that I respect John Carpenter for being, uh, unequivocally like against that stuff. Of course. Though I, to a certain extent, I do see how it could be read that way, but I mean, that's not the way that I would have read it. That's like, I feel like it's like reaching and I love that he came out and said like no fuck that shit yeah like, of course yeah he, he unequivocally was like no fuck that yeah, yeah that that fucking rules john carpenter my man hey man john carpenter if you're listening we'd love to have you on the pod i hey, mean as soon as we figure out how to have a third mic hey you know? john carpenter if you want to be on this pod and you have a third mic <laughs> and also an this. audio interface to uh utilize the third mic which let's be honest he probably does he uh maybe not he's he's more of like a piano player kind of guy yeah i mean uh, i feel like he's got some money it's, it's he hard probably to say knows people i feel like we could figure it out hey what if what if we have john carpenter on and we ask alan Howarth to come on and engineer the episode then? oh now we're talking yeah, yeah, yeah. like the actual Did- musician <laughs> Digital realization by <laughs> <laughs> we'll be like, hey, this is my boss is John Carpenter with Andy and Tate. 
Digital Realization by Alan Howard. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> with with no input by John Carpenter. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, 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 no. Yeah, none. Okay. Uh, that was that. I felt like that had to be brought up, talking about, you know, that, that horrible stuff that was happening around this movie. Again, I, I really kind of want to apologize, because I feel like I'm talking about really serious stuff on this episode, and I don't mean to be. Hey, you know, serious serious stuff is just the name of the game these days, you yeah. know? Like and this movie in particular. Like it just like it this movie hit me in a way that I just like, yeah, I don't know. This movie hit me and it uh, it's all stuff that I've already been thinking about forever, but well not forever, but you know, for a while. Yeah, for and sure. And it just like it just like like brought it to like a point where i couldn't stop thinking about it was what i i think probably why this movie has become such a i i don't even want to call it a cult film people people describe it as a cult film but i don't i don't i don't know that that's really accurate i mean it's just it's a movie that just has legs you know yeah it's 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 a it's a it's a weird movie that really has something to say it has a lot to say and i think it hit hard at the time and but i think it might hit even harder now you know i i feel like that's unequivocally true yeah. like like back in the day like maybe people could like kind of like be flippant about and be like oh that's not like a thing but like now yeah. it's like oh yeah who hasn't seen like seen some weird homeless encampment yeah man you know I, like I, some some guy like looking for a job and like living yeah. in a tent like or I mean, that's not who, that's not outside of the that's not a, that's not outside of anything. No, it's it's so common and so real. Oh, that like yeah. Even if you've never had the experience, I I certainly have the haven't had the experience of like, uh, and I'm super grateful for this. I have never had to have the experience of not having a home. Yeah, but I have had the experience of not being able to find a job and being on unemployment, you know, and stuff like that. Like, you know, yeah. Not saying that that's the same. I'm not trying to equivocate anything. I, I just mean like, I guess I mean, is what you're saying is like, this shit is impossible to ignore now in yeah. a way that it might've been possible in 1988. Yeah. Back, back when it was made, it could have been like one of these things where it's like, Oh, this is like a crazy thing, but we'd like, yeah. we've, but we have gotten there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, to a certain extent. Well, yeah, and it doesn't look like things are getting any better anytime soon. That's true. It's a bit of a bummer. And with that, uh, I feel like we should take a break. <laughs> let's <laughs> let's take a break. All yeah, right. let's take a little break. We'll be right back, and we'll I'll be right try back, to cool guys. my head off a little bit. We'll be right back. 